you know, so often when, when people use that line, like, I just do what I can, I got to trust God to make up the rest, you know, with God, I'm enough. The, on some level, there's a truth to that, right? Theologically, there's a truth, like God is working. Uh, but so often when people use that line, what they're really saying is, I don't want to try any harder. I don't want to take on any more work. I don't want to do something different or come up with something new. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today, we continue our conversation in the third pillar of the framework, becoming a better leader. In the next few episodes, we'll cover some key elements of growing as a leader, including intentional growth and holiness, leadership development tools, and intentional skills building. Today, we're answering the question, how do you lead yourself? Hi, John. Ty, always good to see you. Always good to be back in the saddle. You know, I just, I can't picture you in the saddle on a horse, for whatever reason. In my soul, I'm a cowboy. That doesn't come across? It doesn't. And to be fair, (laughs) in my soul, I am a cowboy as well. I drive a truck, I have facial hair, I wear caps a lot, and maybe if I had a cowboy hat, then I do have you'd a believe cowboy it. hat. <laughs> You're the real deal. I've always said that about you. Yeah. I, and the a, only thing and I, a bolo tie. The, the only thing, I actually don't have a bolo tie. Uh, the other thing that I fail is facial hair, because it just mm. looks like dirt when I try to grow it out. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's authentic. It looks good. I'm on board with it. Well, sometimes you gotta lie to me. Hey, I heard we had some listener feedback. Yeah, and I think this one's actually really cool because this friend of ours, uh, an associate who is not Catholic and would probably scoff at the idea of religion. So he listened to a couple of our episodes and the feedback for him was, you know, it, it really applies to business in general. So the things that we talk about, obviously not the prayer, not going to adoration, not doing the the churchy stuff but when we talk about the framework about what we do or what we should be doing as catholic ministry professionals it hit home for him because even him being a non-catholic non-religious person saw the uh the utility in what we're talking about so that was super cool so aaron shout out to you if you're still listening if you're not i'll know here in about two weeks (laughs) we'll follow up (laughs) (laughs) But that that's a great reminder too that just guys give give it a listen and and if it's been helpful leave us a, a rating leave us a review it really does help other people to find out about the podcast the more reviews we get the more people that that hopefully we can help I think it would be beneficial of sending or just even asking somebody that you uh trust that you really respect within the the business world that understands leadership and ask them to listen to this episode and give their input on it. Because I can almost guarantee you, if they are really good at developing leaders, at you know, creating followers, they will listen to this episode and go, yep, I've been through this, I understand it, and you know, maybe they've got some input for us. Who knows? Maybe they, this is the, the, the seed that you plant that gets them into the church or back to the church. How amazing would that be? 
That would be amazing. Building bridges. That's Ooh. what we do here. I, you know, I, we're actually going to come towards the end of this. We're going to talk about the importance of finding leaders who are successful leaders that can help you to grow yourself as a leader, especially as we look at today's topic, which is how do you lead yourself? And so let's start with a little bit of a story time. And this goes all the way back to my first position in ministry. I was a campus minister for a Catholic high school, specifically grades 9 through 12. And this, it was a great position. I I loved it. It was a position that for whatever reason, for a long number of years, 10 plus years, they had a lot of turnover. And because of that, there, there, it was hard to really build something. So they all, by the time I was there for three years, they're like, you know, we've never, we haven't had anybody stay this long. And so we're not really sure <laughs> what, what to do with you from here. So being a Catholic school, and I've talked about this, it's really easy to see for a teacher, are you accomplishing the tasks that are assigned to you? For teachers, that's really clear. For somebody who's in ministry in that kind of setting where they're used to that really laid out box, ministry is kind of an outlier. It's it, it's really hard to form a person. It's kind of hard to form those positions. And so, I, you know, at the end of every year, because they said to me, you know, John, we're really not sure how to develop you from here or what to do. The solution was then at the end of every year, I was sent to evaluate campus ministry programs at other Catholic schools in other states and other towns. Um, to see what I could learn about the way they were doing their programs, the way that they prioritized things, and see if there was anything that that we needed to do better. And it was fun, and and I experienced a lot, but I, I also, I didn't have any tools with which to evaluate the other programs, if that makes sense. So, I mean, it became a programmatic evaluation even, and, and that was useful, but it also still wasn't an evaluation of me necessarily as an employee, and it wasn't necessarily something that helped me to grow in the area of ministry. And then when I transfer, transitioned into parish formation, this was still largely the case for a different reason, and that's that the, the pastors didn't necessarily know how to develop their employees and, and largely didn't make an effort to. So over time, I just realized that if I wanted to grow, I needed to hold myself accountable to that growth. And there's a great need for Catholic ministry professionals to develop this themselves, to be self-led, growing professionals. And in order to do that, you need to develop a plan of action that you can follow that leads you towards that growth. So this is this is really important that we so that we can lead well in the church because no one wants to follow someone who can't lead themselves. So this is really important as we look at this. How do you lead yourself? This is why it's so important. Because this ties into something that's almost primal, right? It's just very active in our psyches. It, we, we make these judgments, these understandings of who we're going to follow very naturally, almost sub, unco- subconsciously. For example, if you're, if you're trying to get in shape, right? Or it's New Year's and you're trying to get in shape, um, you're trying to better yourself, um, and you're looking for a personal trainer, and your options are between some 500-pound guy that can't stand up on their own or some super jacked guy with calluses on his hands. Like, if those are your choices for a person that you're going to follow, that you're going to trust to lead you into better fitness or better nutrition or whatever it is, you're going to follow the guy that looks like he's practiced what he preaches, that looks like he knows, because in his own person, he shows that he can get results with that objective. So that's why this is so important, because people can perceive in you whether you're someone that they want to follow. And so it's really important that we develop into the people 
that can lead the people that God has entrusted us to. And so we're going to lay out today a kind of a, a leadership development process. And it's going to look just like that sheet and, and the way that we've done this in many other ways and in different areas in the different parts of the framework, which is to look at the reality of ourselves to kind of develop an, a vision or at least a projection of the ideal that we'd like to become within the context of ministry, and then to identify the steps in between. And so in order in doing this, we'll develop a plan of action that we can follow that does lead us towards that growth. So that first step, and the way this is going to be kind of laid out, is that you need to learn about yourself. You need to identify, then, the desirable leadership traits you have, right? That's the ideal. And then you need to set goals, right? Those steps that are going to lead you towards being a more developed more intentional, more um, fruitful leader. And then the final one, we kind of throw in another one. You got to seek accountability. So those are the four steps. When we look at this first part of it, this first step, learning about yourself, this is really important. You need you need to understand the reality of who you are. And that's that's neither good nor bad. It's just this is who I am, right? Identifying your natural strengths, your natural weaknesses, the areas that you're not strong in. Because knowing your strengths right? You can lean into those areas and kind of trust those. Knowing your weaknesses is really important because one, yes, you can work on them, you can build them, but more importantly, if you know what you're not good at, then when you're looking for other people to bring into your team, when you're looking for other people to bring into your ministry team in youth ministry or whatever it might be, if you know your weaknesses, then you know that you need to look for those strengths in another person, right? Those people who can kind of make up for where you lack. And this isn't something you're just going to do once. It's something that you need to do regularly. You need to do it yearly. And it's going to give you language then to understand why you do the things you do. It's going to become much easier then to identify the the problems, the solutions that that you can hopefully maybe potentially control. Um, But yeah, admitting that there's an issue, that there's a problem is the first step. It's looking at yourself and learning those areas. And and the way that that we're going to do that then is just any one of the leadership development tools that are out there. Um, looking at the, uh, you can do it just even at like a simple 360 review with your own staff members, with your own team, with your pastor, and just say, hey, can you just help me to identify what my strengths and weaknesses are? That's what I'm trying to learn. You can do that with your catechist, right? If you're a DRE, you say, hey, it's been a great year. We're at the end of the year. I really want to continue to grow over the summer. I'm hoping you would help me to understand what went really well this year, what didn't, what were ways that I helped you, what were ways that you that I could have helped you better? To just ask those questions to them in a simple form that they could fill out and give you feedback. And it give you real-time feedback that's immediately applicable to the work you do in the day-to-day. But there's a bunch of other leadership development tools out there. There's there's Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder. StrengthsFinder is really cool because it, it does really help you to understand what are my strengths And it lays out a good case for the fact that if you lean into those strengths versus focusing just on your weaknesses and building those up, really continue to build on your strengths gives you kind of this exponential growth in your effectiveness. Um, Leading into the spiritual world a little more, the Spiritual Gifts Inventory by the Catherine of Siena Institute is really powerful for understanding how God actively uses you to build the kingdom, to convert souls. And then one I really like, The Six Types of Working Genius by Pat Lencioni. That's another powerful one. So we'll, 
We'll put those in the show notes and you can kind of look at those at your leisure. But I'd recommend doing one of them, doing all of them, because it just, again, it fleshes out that language that helps you to understand and put into to, to words how you think, why you act the way you, you do, but also then for the people who work around you, you know, it helps you understand why they do. So even if they're not doing their professional development stuff, it does help you to identify how and why they respond the way they do to you, and then how you can more intentionally build a relationship with them that can speak into and and utilize the language that they need in order to build more productively together. Do you, do you have a favorite strength like leadership development test? I'm a big fan of the 16 personalities. And I just think there's more variety of personalities because mm-hmm. it's, I don't like the ones where it's like, there's maybe like the disc assessment is, is okay, but there's four, you know, and then you can be one or two. Uh, it's almost like schizophrenia of personalities. So I like the 16 personalities. It, it gives a, a dominant trait and it also gives kind of a, like a sub trait as well. So I prefer that one. Um, Enneagrams are good. I think we talked about that on a, a previous show. Um, where I had called it a, a Briggs and something, but I was thinking Briggs and Stratton, which is a small engine for lawnmowers. So I apologize. That's just the dad in me. It's um, also important. Still yeah, important. Still very, very important. It's a <laughs> trustworthy motor. But no, I like the 16 personalities. I know Myers Briggs is also one that, um, in all seriousness, is a very good one as well. So it's just, it's super important to know thyself because you are dealing with so many different personalities out there. Mm -hmm. Do you have your, like as you're training people to be on your sales team, do you have them do anything like that? Or is it mainly useful for you so that you can just kind of best identify and then respond to the personalities in the room? I should have my salespeople do that, but I don't. Uh, The reason I say I should is because sometimes we guess in what the different personalities are. And, and sure, sometimes somebody is a dead giveaway. Some, you, you could peg somebody as far as what their personality traits are and how to best work with them. I'm dealing with one now that I can't give away too many details because it'll completely give away the situation and who it is. But I mm-hmm. wish that I had had that to begin with because they are just the bane of my existence at the moment. So... <laughs> it's, uh... Go ahead. Yeah, just just knowing how to deal with them from the get go would have been beneficial. But now I'm I'm stuck in how I deal with him or her. Who knows? Yeah, no one knows for sure. We'll never know, <laughs> and I'm never gonna say. Sure, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. It so yeah. Either way, I mean it. It. I think there's they're so accessible. If you've got a team and you have the ability to kind of implement those. It's such a useful tool. And, and if nothing else, it's, it's the gift of the church, right? Is that the church, um, something really beautiful has actually been happening and just in my conversations with my wife. She's a convert to the Catholic faith. She joined the faith right before we got, um, right before we got married. And then she was really busy with um, schooling and, and getting through all of that. And so now on the other side of that, she's got this freedom and she's been encountering the language of the faith the language of the Catholic Church. And she's realizing, man, so many of these things that I've experienced in prayer throughout my life 
that I never knew how to communicate. I didn't fully understand. There's already language that talks about these. So there's this uh, there's this spiritual discernment podcast that she likes, and just as she's hearing about consolations and desolations and just all the ins and outs of of the spiritual life, the ups and downs, and and the way those things, it's just awakened something in her heart that goes, oh, that's the thing that's happening, and it just gives gives a common language to it. So whether it's it doesn't have to be the right one or even the best one, but having that common language to talk about. Um, oh, you're one of these, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, or it, when I come at you like this, you know, you're probably experiencing X, Y, and Z, or, you know, you're thinking this, but this is how my brain works. So let's, it just gives you a common language to have a more fruitful discussion. So that, you know, that's, I, I just, yes, get to know yourself and get that, that language in your head so that you can more clearly communicate to others. That's the step one. Uh, step two, right? If you're going to kind of develop yourself as a leader, you have to des- you have to identify desirable leadership traits, right? This is kind of forming that ideal, um, that ideal image of the kind of leader that you'd like to be, the kind of like leader you'd like to develop yourself into. And in order to do this, one of the best ways is just to identify a leader that you admire, a leader that you respect, probably in your community, because it, it should be real to you. Sometimes we look at these People who have a big platform, right? We might look at John Maxwell as a big Christian leadership guy. Um, Pat Lencioni, who I'm a big fan. Everybody, Google his name. He's got great stuff out there. Pat Lencioni is another one too. But if I look at him, I go like, I will never be there, right? It almost seems larger than life because they have these big platforms. But if I can look at, you know, so-and-so down the street, you know, Billy down the street, who's a, a top exec, in town and I can identify like he's a successful leader and and he's a he's someone I don't mind being around. <laughs> you know, he's a good guy. Suddenly I can start thinking about what is it about him or the way he leads that's so effective. Right? And and so think about it but then try to put into words why you admire him. What are the traits they exhibit? And so, you know, for example, you know, Billy maybe he's a top executive in town and um you know, I've noticed that he's he's a versatile leader. What I really like about him and what I've seen in him is that the way he leads people changes depending on the person that he's trying to lead, depending on the individual in front of him. It, it, it changes to bring the best out of that individual. And as a result, the culture around him re- tends to be very authentic. It, it allows the members of his team to flourish, to work very efficiently. In a sense, they're really joyful in their work. They feel like they're a part of something. As a leader, that's something I want for the people that work under me. So you can begin to identify those specific things that you you identify in others that call to the, the the leadership in your heart that's begging to be set free. And you can begin to put a voice to that and a name to that because that's going to come into place in step three, which is after you've learned about yourself, you've identified some desirable leadership traits, then you need to set goals that'll help you to walk towards developing those to becoming that leader right you need, and I would say come up with two three steps that are going to help you achieve that goal and the important thing about these steps is that they can't just be kind of these ethereal you know non-tangible things they have to be what we call smart goals right smart s-m-a-r-t s they have to be specific it has to be something very specific that you can put your finger on and say yes that Right? It has to be M, measurable. 
It can't just, again, it, there has to be something concrete to that that you can identify when it's there or when it's not there, when you've done the thing, when you haven't done the thing. It has to be attainable, right? There may be things that you wish you were that aren't attainable. I wish I was six foot four. It's not going to happen, right? I wish I was an NBA player. It's just not, it's not in the cards for me. And it doesn't matter how hard I work, especially at this point. I'm, you know, I'm old. But it, it has to be attainable, right? Make it realistic. It has to be relevant. Make it relevant to the thing you're doing. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. And it should be timely. Like, put a timeline on it so that you're like, in this amount of time, I will have accomplished X. So in, an example of this might be that a lot of parishes want to engage parishioners more. You know, that is something that, that honestly, that is, I think that was our, our most watched, most listened to episode was the one that's like engaging parishioners more. Mm-hmm. Oh no, in the culture of the parish, yeah. Yep. And so engaging parishioners more. What does that mean though? Right? So to just say we're going to engage our parishioners more doesn't tell you how it's going to happen. It's not a smart goal. It's not specific, measurable, attainable. Well, it might be attainable. Um, it's relevant. But there's nothing timeline about it. So versus saying, um, this is our goal. We're going to increase mass attendance by 10% over the next year. Right? Very specific. We're going to send out mass mailings and other communications to all of our unengaged parishioners and invite them into these one, two, three specific evangelizing events that we're going to plan this year. And we're going to implement a prayer team and an evangelization team that will intentionally follow up with them quarterly to walk with them in faith. (coughs) So we can see how that goal has some teeth to it. We will be able to look at it. It's very specific. We'll be able to measure whether we've done any of those things. Have we sent out the mailings? No? Okay, let's get that in. Have we created the events we're going to invite them to? Or have we retooled the events that are already there? Have we retooled them in a way that will help them to evangelize the people who come, right? Have we contacted people to build a team, right? It's very measurable. It's attainable. This is not un- this is not unrealistic to have three events specifically that you're going to use to target people to bring them into the faith and to really intentionally try to build that threshold of trust, trust with them so that you can walk with them in faith. It's relevant. Obviously, this is the whole thing, evangelizing, bringing people into relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's timely. Within the year, we're going to do this. But this doesn't have to just be with things you want to accomplish in terms of the program, the the actual work that you do, right? This can actually be about those leadership traits as well. And I want to walk through that for myself. And so an example from my life, (laughs) I have noticed Ty, I don't know if you've noticed. I've been a little bit grumpy. Lately. I've noticed. <laughs> you want to? I mean, you could think about it a little bit. No. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I'm 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 not I'm not I don't I'm not experiencing. I'm not living with the the peace, the joy that I know that God desires to give me through His Spirit, right? And and that affects everything around me. It affects my kids. It affects my wife. But as I've been praying with this. Um, I think it's because I, I really, I get easily distracted by the things I wish I had the time to do. And, and what that's done is, is, ultimately, is I've allowed things that aren't my priorities or aren't the priorities to have too much weight in my life. 
So essentially what, what I have recognized is that I, I really need to reprioritize God um, and my family in my life in a different way. Um, but that's that's not a specific, it's not a smart goal, right? To just say, I need to prior, reprioritize God. I need to, you know, reprioritize my family in a new way. Um, that's not a smart goal. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm thinking, what are some specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely things that I can begin doing? And and the, the two things that I've identified right off the bat is when I have my phone on me, I'm more likely to get distracted by email or just in general, not just be present because maybe I get distracted by posting something on Facebook or on our Instagram page. But instead, once my kids are home, once my wife is home, my goal is that I'm going to put my phone down. I'm just going to put it in a different room so that I'm not picking it up. And what this will do is it'll allow me to be more fully present to my kids and my wife in a deeper way. And if I know that when I'm fully present to them, I experience joy. I experience peace because I am doing the most important thing in my life. I am living my vocation when I do that. And that gives me peace. It gives me joy. The other one that I know that I need to do is I to prioritize God or that I can clearly do and, and really specifically do is go to mass at least one more time a week. Because I know that in my life, like I, I know that I need Jesus. And the times when I have had the most peace, the most joy in my life is when I was going to mass the most often. More Jesus equals more joy, more Jesus equals more peace, more goodness, right? All those fruits of the Spirit. That comes from being with Jesus. And that is something very specific I can do to reprioritize. And what that means then is that I need to prioritize my other tasks and build that time in, which will make me a better leader. It'll make me a better leader in the home. It'll make me a better leader in my work in the sense that I'm getting more, um, I'm doing things in a better way that aligns with my whole person from God down to my feet, right? It just, that's the goal. So again, my realizing that when I do these things well, it will develop the better leader in me, in my family, and in my work. And so again, it doesn't have to just be setting goals for your job. It can be setting goals to grow as a leader as well. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. That's because it was that good. Well. I don't want to just sit here and delve in your your faults with you know, <laughs> everything that you're not doing or I could be doing. Not... Just make grumpy. a list. Just make a list and email it to I'll me. I'll add it to the list that I already have. <laughs> so the the final step then, if if you're developing yourself as a leader, uh, is to seek accountability, and this is really important. It's the hardest one. I, I think because to have accountability means that you have someone that's going to call you out on your shenanigans, right? Just like Ty does for me <laughs> and, my, and my wife does for me. You know, they can call me out when I'm not following through on the things that I've said I'm going to do. Um, so you need to tell somebody, hey, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, can you hold me accountable to it? And, in, you know, in a lot of ways, it probably can be somebody very close to you. It might also be, like we were talking about before, finding a leader in the community that can help you grow, right? And they can tell you both, you know, when you're not doing things right or when, when again, when you're goofing off and you need to kind of straighten yourself out. But they can also be a great voice when, when you're taking on too much and you maybe need to revise a goal even in the middle of it. And they can be a good voice for you. But the reason it's so tough is you have to pick the right person. 
Um, do you, Ty, do you have any mentors or people in your life that you have that fulfill that role for you? I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm aside, aside from me, obviously. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I want a good example of what not to do, then yep, you are there for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm useful for something anyway. <laughs> no, I, so on the, I'd say the secular side, meaning the non-religious side, I do have a few people that I look to, to, to pick their brain or to just see if I'm, you know, hold myself up to them to see, okay, am I on the right path? Am I thinking the right way? Um, or sometimes it's just a paradigm shift that I need to, to change to where if I'm around them, I pick up on that same perspective that they're looking like just listening into, to what they're saying and, and how they're describing business deals or real estate stuff or whatever it is, even family stuff, you know, it puts it into a different perspective for me that it makes me almost challenge my perspective. So yeah, I've, I've got quite a few people that, that I look to, to, to have those discussions or, or just to even bounce ideas off of, um, or to hold me accountable. Like, Hey, you, you said that you're going to do that thing by this date what happened with it right and it's a, it's almost like a, a stiff arm to me like if i'm gonna talk about it i should be about it so the next time that i'm around these people and i'm telling them about the things that i've done i make sure that i get them done so that cadence of accountability is huge absolutely so again just to, to follow up that pathway of self-development of professional leadership development. Um, you start with just learning about yourself. Then you got to identify the desirable leadership traits that you desire to grow in. You set those goals that are going to get you there. And then you seek accountability. It's a really simple way and it can be very rhythmic in your life. Um, ideally, there would be, you know, your, your boss, somebody that's holding you to that. But in the absence of that, you can begin to do that yourself. And, and I actually, I think I'm going to put together a, uh, a sheet that can people can use just to kind of walk through those things themselves. And sometimes it's helpful just to have that, that piece in front of you. And it's something you could pull out every so often. You could even hand it then to your boss and say, hey, this is what I'm working on now. Let's have a conversation about it. And it could open up those doors to having maybe that accountability in your work with your team. With that, I think let's let's move on to the devil's advocate that was menacing i know it <laughs> well john that's all fine and dandy but i just do what i can and i trust the holy spirit to do the rest with god i am enough what say you fair enough but the question i would counter with that with is are are the souls in your parish boundary worth you doing everything you can, though? Right? It's great that you're, you're just doing what you can. Um, but are you doing everything you can? And do, does that include learning something new, trying something new, building something new, or even <laughs> a new language? Right? I'm, when I hear this, I'm, I'm reminded of a story of a parish. They had, they had a large Hispanic Catholic population in their town, but that group was largely uninvolved at the parish, and they were unresponsive to invitations that were sent to different uh, Bible studies, events, things that were going on. So what happened is a group of women in the parish 
they actually began to reach out to the Hispanic community in their own town um, to find out why they weren't coming. And the answer was really simple. The Hispanic community didn't speak English well. Uh, so they didn't feel included and they didn't see the value of showing up to something that that they couldn't understand. And so th- this group of, of leaders in this parish, what did they do? They decided to learn Spanish so that they could do Spanish-speaking Bible studies with the Hispanic community. And what it did is it built a bridge that truly brought people into the parish in a new way. You know, so often when when people use that line, like, I just do what I can, I got to trust God to make up the rest, you know, with God I'm enough. On some level, there's a truth to that, right? Theologically, there's a truth, like God is working. Uh, But so often when people use that line, what they're really saying is, I don't want to try any harder. I don't want to take on any more work. I don't want to do something different or come up with something new. Well, guess what? If, if you want to follow Jesus, you're probably going to need to shoulder a big cross and you're going to have to carry that cross uphill. And for someone that you love, it's not just some other burden. It's a gift to carry that cross. It's an invitation to carry that cross. You know, I think a lot of the people, and, I, and myself included, a diff- am I going to learn a new language to reach out to people who are in my backyard? Well, for Jesus, I just might. For Jesus, I probably should. If if I think that there's a real chance that, that they don't know the Lord and we have that to offer them, like it, why should they be going down the road to another town when they when their home is right here? And if I'm the if I'm not willing to stand in that gap and bring them in, I, I think that I'm failing on some level. I, I think that I'm I maybe haven't stepped up fully to the plate. Didn't Pope Francis say, you pray for the hungry and then you go feed them, right? There's action that is involved in that. So yes, it's the the whole quote by Pope Francis is about the hungry, but it's almost like you pray for your other communities and then you go and you get involved with them. You go and you do the thing. You don't leave it up to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit can come down and, and make you speak in different languages. Absolutely. But that's not going to happen for 99.9% of congregations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, James chapter 2, verses 15 through 16, it says, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled. And yet you don't do anything. <laughs> what have you even done for them? Right? It, there's a reality that it is, yes, pray. Yes, trust God. Yes, he is going to use you. Yes, he's going to make up for your lack. But you also have to go and do the work. You also have to go and do the work. You have to feed them. You have to clothe them. There's a, and, and it's because we have an incarnational faith. Jesus isn't just some lofty idea. Jesus became man. He was enfleshed. We have an incarnational faith, and that means that we need to actually meet real people where they are to take care of their real needs. And so when when somebody says, you know, I just do what I can, it, it, a lot of times it's just a cop-out saying, I don't want to do that hard work. And so we, we need to be better than that. Sloth. So much sloth going on with that line. Mm, slothy. 
<laughs> so let's let's move on to some actionable steps. And we're just going to revisit those those four steps then and, and actually take the time to do this for yourself. The first step, learn about yourself. Take one of the assessments that we talked about. We'll, we'll put them in the show notes. Um, and one of the nice things, again, is that you're going to learn how you tick. And, and even if it's not the best fit for you or the best fit for your team, or even if the rest of your team isn't taking them, it's going to begin building language and give you tools in your tool belt that you can use to uh, use in your work as you act, as you respond to the ways in which the people around you work, right? And so just take that time to learn about yourself. Take some sort of leadership assessment. The second step then, look at identify a leader in your community, right? Look at their desirable leadership traits. Try to connect with that person. And and if, if you know about them, they're probably in your sphere already. And honestly, leaders are leaders because they love to help others. It's what makes them great leaders. And I guarantee they're going to be willing to give you some time. And so just reach out to them and, and start the conversation. Step number three, set goals. Set some smart goals. Make that plan that plan of action to help you achieve then the goals that you that you need to set in order to become that better leader. And finally, find accountability. And that might be your spouse. It might be another person on the team. It might be your pastor. It might be that leader that you reached out to before. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, our favorite thing, put it in the calendar. Put it in the calendar so that you don't just say, yes, that's something I should do at some point. No, say on you're, we're moving into summer, right? And typically that's a slower paced time in the ministry world. You get around VBS and things like that. But schedule a time to take the assessment. Don't just say, yes, one day I will say, no, June 25th, I'm going to take the, uh, the, whatever, what was it, the Enneagrams assessment, right? Same thing with the other steps. On June 25th, I'm going to look at some desirable traits that I see in other leaders. I'm going to identify a leader in our community or two or three, right? Just book them in your calendar. And, and that is itself an accountability to get you started becoming a leader who is going to lead themselves. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that they could find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. You can get in touch with us by going to catholicministryprofessionals.com and clicking on send a message. And those messages, they come right to us. They come to our emails. They help us to refine the content so we can better serve you. Hey guys, take some time to leave us an honest review. The more reviews we have, the more people we can help. It just helps the algorithm a little bit and gets us pushed to the top so that more people can uh, be suggested to listen to Catholic ministry professionals. And you never know, you could change some lives out there. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.